Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Alexandra Robbins is the author of The Teachers, A Year Inside America's Most Vulnerable, Important Profession. And by the way, we were supposed to be doing this as a normal podcast, but a friend of mine had an accident and I had to do this in the car on my way to go visit her. So if it sounds weird, bear with me, but I was being a really good friend. Alexandra Robbins, the author of five New York Times bestselling books and a Goodreads Best Nonfiction Book of the Year, is an award-winning investigative reporter who has been honored for distinguished service to public education. She has written for several publications, including The New York Times, The New Yorker, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, and The Atlantic, and has appeared on hundreds of television shows, including 60 Minutes, Today, CBS Mornings, The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, and The Colbert Report. 
Welcome, Alexander. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the teachers, a year inside America's most vulnerable, important profession. Thanks so much for having me, Zibby. This is such an important book and focusing on such an undervalued, obviously, profession in the States. And you just completely went in there and <laughs> did your thing and all of it. Tell listeners how this whole book came to be and your experience in reporting and writing about it. Well, I wanted to write a book that would open the public's eyes about what's really going on in schools. I also wanted to show teachers that they are deeply appreciated, that they're not alone, that they can find solidarity and support. And most of all, I wanted to motivate readers to stand up for and speak out for educators right now before it's too late. I also wanted the book to be the kind of book that you could give to a teacher as a way of saying, I appreciate you, and now I understand what you're going through. In terms of the the writing, the kind of nonfiction I like to read, I'm honestly, I'm mostly a fiction girl. <laughs> I, I, I read fiction every night before bed. Uh, I can't read nonfiction before bed because then my brain goes into work mode. And I'm like, oh, how did they, you probably understand, like, how did they structure that? How did they do the reporting for that? So I have to read fiction before bed so I can escape. <laughs> so the kind of nonfiction I like to read is the kind that feels like a fun fiction book. But then when you put it down, you feel a little smarter or a little more informed about a topic. So in this case, education. One of my favorite reviews of all time in my career called my writing style poolside nonfiction. And I love that because when I read nonfiction, that's that's what I want to read, the kind of book you could read by the pool. So the way I structured the book is for a school year, I followed three excellent teachers whose stories readers could curl up with and get lost in. There's Penny, a middle school math teacher in the South, Rebecca, an East Coast elementary school teacher, and Miguel, who's a special ed teacher out West. Uh, I also interviewed hundreds of other teachers across the country so people can truly understand what is going on in schools. So what is going on in schools? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even what's going on in schools. It's what's going on around schools that's affecting teachers. Oh, there's so much. So what's happening on a basic level is that we have these skilled professionals who are trained and certified to educate our children and they are being mistreated. They are under siege from all sides. Students are more disruptive than ever. And even just one disruptive student in a class can disrupt the entire class for everyone, teachers and students. District officials and sometimes principals are piling on and piling on extra time-consuming responsibilities on teachers without giving them the resources or the support staff or the planning time or the structural supports to actually execute those duties. At the same time, the teacher pay gap has hit a record high. U.S. teachers are paid about 24% less than other professionals with similar education experience. And there's, how can I say this, certain sectors of politicians and parents are loudly vocalizing disrespect for the profession like never before. And they are stripping teachers away of the autonomy that they should have in the job that only they are trained and certified to do. So all of that helps explain why teachers are fleeing the profession and why 
listeners here might have kids in classes without a teacher or with a long-term sub or with a different sub every day or kids who are scattered among other classes every once in a while because they just can't find coverage for them. That's at, that's a, at a basic level what's going on. <laughs> I'm just sorry I put you on the spot there. No, I mean, sometimes I think about this too. Like this year in particular, I have four kids. My two youngest kids, they have really great great teachers. They're so happy, but that is what's making the year amazing for them. Right. And I think about this every day when we like smile at pickup, like thank goodness for them, because just even a slight bit of rudeness or something can throw a kid off, let alone the things that you document in the book and like actual, you know, things that are occurring everywhere. It's, it's mind blowing how much influence this one particular person is. And even when I interview authors, I find that a lot, and I don't know if this happened to you, but most authors are like, well, at some point, a teacher told me that I had talent. At some point, a teacher said I was a writer and I should keep writing. Did you have that experience even yourself as a writer? Yeah, I did. My, my sixth grade teacher, and we had to write in a class journal every day and we would just like, I don't know, write stuff for 10 or 15 minutes. And she came to me after class one day and she said, I saw what you wrote in your journal. I'd like to uh, submit it for the superintendent's writing award. And like, it's just something I scribbled in my journal. And she's like, yes, but I think you are a writer. I was like, okay, you know, sure, that's fine. And it got it. And it never, it never would have occurred to me. I mean, I liked writing, but it didn't occur to me that, that I was that good at it until, until she did that. So a teacher recognized that I had a passion for something that um, was a strength and that changed my life. (laughs) Amazing. So how did you Take us through your own career and been so accomplished to date across, you know, journalism and books and everything. And by the way, poolside nonfiction is amazing. You're in the like Michael Lewis, James Stewart, you know, like highly accessible. So I, I personally love this style that you have. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, okay, career. Um, <laughs> let's see. I was really into journalism in high school, basically because of that teacher. I was like, okay, let me write some more. And at the end of high school, I, I knew I wanted to go into journalism. I wrote an article. Oh, this goes way back. I never told anybody this story. So I wrote an article for a local newspaper that I was interning for the summer after high school about how county policies discriminated against LGBT students and wrote the piece, gave it to the editor. Editor didn't get back to me. So I was like, you know, I just feel like this is really important. It was something This is. A long time ago, this is in the 90s, so it was before people were talking about it as much as they are now, and ended up submitting it to the Washington Post. And the Washington Post said, yeah, like we'll print this. And they went through the editing process, and it was almost the publication date. And then the local paper published my article under another reporter's name. And so, yeah, I never forgot that. And again, I never told anybody that story. I don't know why it came up now. Cannot um, believe that that happened. I can't believe yeah. that. Yeah. And I asked the editor, I said, why, why did you do that? And she's like, well, you're 18. So like, we can't publish it under your name. Like, we... Anyway, so what I learned from that was several things. One, you have to stand up for yourself. I did quit that paper. Two, at that point, the Washington Post was interested in what I had to say, and they published something else I wrote within the year. And three, I was interning for a radio station at the same time here in Washington, D.C., and I was crying to my mentor, the, the reporter at the station, and, and she said, you have to just focus on moving forward 
and using your writing for good. And so ever since then, I guess that's what I've tried to do. <laughs> I'm honored you told me the story. <laughs> I feel like it's maybe the, the fate of local papers themselves has been the revenge for <laughs> co-opting your work. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> It's karma. It's coming back. <laughs> I have nothing against local papers. That's Just that amazing. one editor. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I actually love, I, I read like the Palisades Post all the time and, you know, East Hampton Star and all these local, you know, I like, it's fun. They have like, yeah. it's fun news. And I mean, local papers in New York City are like, what, the Post? I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So when did you decide, I mean, there's never been more attention on teachers than after COVID and how amazing a job they did stepping up and you know, just saving the world essentially so that these, you know, everybody could continue getting an education, even though obviously some districts did a better job than others. Uh, when was this, this must've been conceived way before. So uh, tell me about the timeline of everything and what you want the public really to take away and what we can actually do. Cause I feel like it's sort of well known how teachers don't get enough respect or salaries or whatever, but like, is there anything we as concerned citizens really can can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the seeds of the book started germinating in 2015. That's when I published a book called The Nurses, where I followed ER nurses for a year and talked about their working conditions. And nursing and teaching are very similar professions. They are both female-dominated in the workforce. However, they're overseen by men. In the case of teaching, about three-quarters of the teaching profession identify as women, and 73% of superintendents identify as men. Uh, So there's a disparity there. And when you have that kind of dynamic There are certain stereotypes that go along with the professions. People treat nurses often in similar ways as they treat teachers. And so when that book came out, teachers read it and said, well, we're going through something similar. Can you write a book about us? So I started thinking about it then. I started talking to people then. I published another book in the interim and then probably... Shortly before the pandemic, uh, I really started reporting this book in depth and getting into it. And then, you know, the pandemic, the pandemic changed things in terms of the way people view teachers, but it didn't cause the issues that we see today in the teaching profession. So while there's a heightened sense and a heightened polarity as to the views of teachers now, It's not because of the pandemic. So while COVID is mentioned in the book, I don't actually focus on it exclusively because I think to do so would be a disservice to the teaching profession. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, okay, what can we do? Yes, everybody listening can do something to help teachers. First of all, teachers need the public's trust. Uh, teachers are trained and certified to educate students, and we need to let them do that without second-guessing them. So even something as small as saying in front of your child, I trust your teacher. You know, I know you're uncomfortable with this assignment, or it seems really challenging or really easy or whatever it is, but, but I trust that your teacher knows uh, what they're doing. If you model respect and appreciation for a teacher, then uh, that'll improve students' experiences, too. Also, when you hear someone or see someone disparage teachers, which you can see every day on social media these days, um, speak up to support educators. We need more voices. We need louder voices. And this sort of aggressive fringe that's attacking teachers right now, they're in the minority. It's just that too many of us are staying silent and we need to show teachers that our numbers are larger and that they really are appreciated and supported. We can also lobby for smaller classes and larger paychecks. Teachers deserve far more money than they get. And studies actually show that students' math and English scores are significantly higher in districts that pay teachers higher base salaries. At a local level, something that's easy to do, ask what supplies teachers need, whether you have kids in school or, you know, you can just go to the school and ask or call the school and ask, ask what they need um, and then buy it or fundraise or collect supplies. I'm doing an event at the end of March to give swag bags to teachers in the D.C. area for free. And I've got some companies donating things, but I also just just asked. I set up an Amazon list and I, I said to people like, hey, like, can, can you contribute? And this is this. Is, so this is the overflow from my garage. Let me see. So you see the stuff in the back there. I, and that's just that's just the, like my whole garage is full. But there's like there's post-its there and paper mates and I got them chocolates too because like you need chocolate and chapsticks and dice and fun socks and colors of the world pencils like diverse colored pencils diverse colored band-aids like um, it's so easy and just that little gesture can really lift a teacher to know that people are thinking of them it, it's not enough just to say like I love my kids teachers they're awesome like that's great that's super and you know you should you should tell the teacher that but we need to stand up for teachers on a broader, more visible level and show up to board meetings, lobby for teachers at, at this time when public education is under attack, pay attention to what your community school board is doing, ask teachers how they feel about what the school board is doing, and then testify publicly 
or email uh, board members or start petitions or write open letters that people can sign on to um, supporting the teacher's stance. Uh, they need to see, teachers need to see that people are supporting them, that it's kind of a demoralized uh, landscape for them right now. That's good that those are not just your groceries in the background there. So, you know. No. <laughs> No, my groceries, my, I, I have horrible Zoom game. All, all my groceries, like everything that's usually on the floor of my office is right behind that door. Like the hallway, you cannot get through the hallway. I just like smush everything back there. <laughs> my, you know, my dad was on this kick for a while to try to get teachers to not have any income tax. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah. So if you want to take that up in that. I like lobby, that get much traction on that but he thought that would be a great way to to solve the problem (laughs) that is a great way that that's that would be helpful that would be helpful for sure and i went to college actually with charles best who started donors choose Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's it when uh, you can see all the different classrooms and what those individual teachers need and and then you get letters back from the students like thank you so much for our books or whatever so it's a nice a nice way to do it as well can we go back to your love of fiction for a second (laughs) <laughs> sure. <laughs> Tell me some of the books you've read lately or favorite books of all time or anything that I know I, I don't want to put you on the spot again. Favorite but, books uh, of all time. Um, okay. Also, like recently, um, House in the Cerulean Sea. Loved that one. From Such a Fun Age. I loved that one. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Going back a little bit, there's the Goldfinch. There's the Art of Fielding. I don't know. I could like I could spend half an hour just listing. <laughs> I'm on Goodreads. Everybody can go to my Goodreads and see what my. I don't. I don't rate books very often. I I feel like as an author, if someone rates my books less than five stars, then I'm like, oh no, what did I do wrong? So I usually only give books five stars or I don't rate them because I don't want to mess with their rating. So if you look at my list and you see my five stars, I really, really like those books and recommend them. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I'm going to check out your Goodreads and I am excited about it. <laughs> what project are you working on next? There is no next. I am pausing writing books because teachers need help and it's not going to be solved with one book and it's not going to be solved this year. And so I want to focus on advocating at a, at a national level for teachers and spreading awareness as to what they're going through and how we can help them. And at a local level, I'm a sub, I'm a substitute teacher. And that's the way that I help teachers here in the DC area. So for example, I wasn't supposed to sub until April after, after my book launches, but the teacher has a family emergency this week. So this week I'm doing fourth grade because they need me. And if, if we don't step up to help teachers, then, then who will? And you, you just want to help them every little bit that you can. And so I think that's more important to me right now than writing books. Wow. That's awesome. It's like you found your calling. I do like subbing. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't just mean the subbing. I just mean like, you know, your advocacy for the whole profession and how you can make just such a huge difference. It's really amazing. It's important. And teachers need more non-educator voices in the national dialogue to try and sway public support to where it should be, I think. And when you're not, you know, heavily reporting on different professions and reading fiction, what do you like to do? Oh, I'm outside. (laughs) In your free time. I'm outside. I am. I am playing sports or taking walks or outside reading. (laughs) Reading. Awesome. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? 
advice for aspiring authors. There's no, so, okay. One is if you think you have writer's block, either take a walk or take a bath. There's never been a situation where, whether I was stuck on a transition or an idea or a way to connect two different concepts where a bath or a, or a shower doesn't have to be bath or taking a walk didn't help. But also if you feel you have writer's block right through it anyway, and don't assume that just because you think what you write is bad, that there's nothing in it worth salvaging because often, even if you write a page of something that you think is no good, there's probably going to be a kernel of something in there that'll spark you to write something good from that one kernel. The popcorn model of writing. Yeah. Amazing. And if there's something, if there's one article you've written that you think like everybody should go back and read or something that maybe people have missed and you were like, no, no, this should get more attention. What would that be? There was an article I wrote for the New York Times in March 2020 at the very beginning of the pandemic. So for moms who don't have time to read books, if you want to get a sense of how powerful a profession this is and why teachers stay in it despite the disrespect and how they felt about not the obligation, but the reason, I don't want to spoil it, but but the reasons they came to work anyway, even when, for example, surrounding cities were in full shelter in place, that would be an article that explains their perspective. Amazing. Well, as soon as this comes out, this comes out, what, March 14th? Is that right? Yeah, Pi Day. Pi Day. Like the one good day in March. March is one of the worst months for teachers because there are no breaks. So Pi Day is like the one day people celebrate even if they can't recite Pi past 3.14 just just because it's something in March to go, yay. (laughs) Well, I'll certainly be giving this out to the teachers in our school. And I feel like even if listeners just pick up copies for all of their kids' teachers, then that's, you know, in aggregate, a lot of teachers out there. So Everybody listening, pick up the teachers, Alexander Robbins, give them to your teachers and start helping make a difference. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Alexandra. It was so nice chatting with you and I'm going to go check out your Goodreads page right now. Nope. <laughs> Take care. I'll friend you on Goodreads. <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card.
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.